he was asleep. And then the second I reached my hand over his head, he woke up and he latched on. And it was terrifying. One, two, three, four. Hi, Vibers. Welcome back to another episode of Vibing with Vi. I hope that you enjoy this new 2023 intro and you continue to vibe with me. Hi, Vibers. Today we're joined with a very special guest. She was born in Markham, lived in Uxbridge and Barrie, and now lives in Thunder Bay. She's a travel bug, clearly. Loves to watch Netflix to escape reality and wants to explore the world. Please give a warm welcome to Kimberly Spicer. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Did you work today? I did. I did. I worked a 10 and a half hour shift, which is normal for me. Oh my God. And I'm making you podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, <I'm> not- it's okay. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Well, people don't know, but you're a vet tech. So we'll preface that after you just saying that you worked a 10 hour shift long <laughs> as hell, but hopefully maybe a little fun here and there. Yes, it is. That's good. Well, before we get into what you do for work, I always like to start off with talking about how I meet the people that I have on my show. So you and I kind of have a little fun story where actually, I feel like in ways maybe you don't realize, but like you were kind of like my saving grace and a little bit of a, a dark time that I was having. <laughs> it's It's so true. So three years ago, a little bit, I guess a little bit over three years ago, I was in a job, very fucking miserable, yeah. super stressed out, hating my life and just kind of wanted to do something different and kind of try to make myself happy essentially. Mm-hmm. And I found Army of Sass. Yes. Army of Sass. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just blanked. Uh, I found Army of Sass, which was a dance studio at Barry. I have two left feet and I've never taken a dance class in my fucking life. <laughs> I decided, hey, why not? This sounds fun. I just, I found it like on an Instagram ad or something. I don't even really remember how I came across it. But anyways, mm-hmm. I ended up coming and I went to my first class. And I don't think that we were in the first class together but I was in my first class and I was like, oh, like, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. This is kind of fun. Okay. Maybe I could get yeah. into it and decided to come into another drop-in, but I had signed up for the fucking show after doing one class. So I was like, I'm fucking doing it. And that's, yeah. I met you, this beautiful, like shining light. I'm like fucking <laughs> miserable. We do our dropping <laughs> class and then we sit in a circle and we all talk about each other. And I'm like, I literally don't even want to talk about myself. Like I'm such an extroverted person. And I'm like, this is the most intense, awkward shit of my fucking life. <laughs> it was. There, and it was like, oh, okay. Like I felt like I looked over at you and just like you are right now, you just big smile, good energy. And I was like, oh dear God, save me. <laughs> 
I feel like we like immediately vibed though. Like I feel like we just like connected immediately. I know it was just your, your sweet eyes, big smile. And I was like, she looks nice. Maybe she'll save me and be my friend. I'm like, what did I just get my ass? And then that's how I felt about you because I was like, oh my God. Yes. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, all these like people are like so good. And I was like, I feel so out of place right now. And then that's how I felt about you. I was just like, oh my gosh, okay. There's a friendly face. I feel like we can get along and like figure this out together. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But you kicked ass. Like you fucking like, but so did you. Dance you did freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've thought about dancing again. Actually. I have a girlfriend that I met oddly enough when I moved and she was into dance and that's how I, I slipped into her DMS and was like, Hey, do you want to be friends? Because like, I heard that you dance and like, I I've done a show. Like I'm like, yes, like yes. yeah, okay. She's like, come to a dance class. I'm like, no, I mean, like I, I danced once. I can't dance. <laughs> She's hardcore, but like, tell me how you ended up at army of sass. So kind of similar to you. I, I didn't see an Instagram ad, but a mutual friend, I saw her, uh dancing on Instagram and I was like okay where like the hell is this like this looks so sweet and I used to do like performing arts in high school and stuff like that so I like missed like doing things in that realm so I messaged her I was like hey like where is this like how do I get involved and she told me it was called army of sass so I went to a drop-in and then same thing as you after my first drop-in I like immediately fell in love and I signed up for the session and then yeah you and I were in the same class and and it was honestly like I that was probably my favorite session like I did how many sessions did I do after that I did I know I did so I did that one and then then because that was 2019 beginning of 2019 we did that so spring and then I did and then 2020 hit. So we were going to, I was going to do my third show, but then COVID hit. So then I canceled. Right. And in the third show, I actually had a lead role. So I was like really sad about it. So I was like, um, oh, I really wanted to do this. But, and was then. Was Snow White? Yeah, I was Snow White. I was fucking oh, Snow White. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. You would have killed that. Thank you. I was so sad. Like I, I choreographed my own solo and everything. And I was really sad that it like canceled, but whatever. And then we did like an online summer session when COVID like in 2020, but like COVID was still things so we tried online and that was like the nineties show. So technically I've done four shows, but really only like two with like live audiences. But the first one, was honestly my absolute favorite I think just like doing our first show we get like such a high off of it like yeah and I just remember all of us like our class in like that little room in the back of Mavericks just like yep. hanging out doing our makeup you had to do my fake eyelashes for me because I had no fucking clue how to do it yeah it was just that was like just the best I love that I just remember like that was such a like I said it was a dark time for me but it uh, being a part of army of sass and being a part of that show and then also meeting the other groups in the other classes was such a like euphoric thing like it mm-hmm. I don't think that people will ever understand because like I don't see any like army of sass anymore like they had so many all over different cities and I don't hear about it as much mm-hmm. maybe they're still going but unless you've been in a show and experienced it you'll never really get it because like it was fun practicing and and whatever 
but like mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing prepares you for show day. And like mm-hmm. show day is the most adrenaline, like confidence boosting, amazing yeah. thing. Like I'll never forget that there was one point where everyone was in the big name group where we first met and we all had like our, our bags and stuff. And I remember walk, like three people walking by and somebody being like, you're so hot. You're so hot. You're so yeah. hot. Like, and just boosting each other up. And these are girls that like, you know, I had never met. And I'm like, yeah. wow. Like just everybody's just giving each other that love. And I feel like that's something that we lack in society. There's kind of this mentality of like women hating on women and it's like why are we hating on each other when there's things out in the media and other you know things that are just so much pressure on us for us to be a certain way look a certain way talk Mm -hmm. a certain way it's like just love each other like lift each other up fuck come on so I mean that gave me a confidence boost for sure and then also Mm -hmm. performing which was wild because like leading up to show day, I'm like, I'm going to fucking forget everything because when I felt <laughs> like excited or nervous about something, I fucking blackout, just like full on blackout. Like for, I'm not even getting test interviews. Like if I'm, you know, anxious about going and having a conversation with somebody and then I go to have the conversation, like, and it's not even like I'm necessarily saying something bad or doing something bad, but I just like full out blackout. And then after the fact, someone will be like, what happened? Like what was said? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Literally like before any like performance or anything I ever do, I like cannot eat my like stomach just like tightens up and I literally cannot eat. And I just remember that whole day we kept being told like, make sure you eat, make sure you eat. I was like, I can't like I, my stomach hurts so much. I literally cannot eat at all. But army of stars is actually not a thing anymore. It, I don't know what happened. No, I don't know what happened, but, um, during COVID I, Carla who like owned the franchise, I don't know if she like, just sold it or what happened but it's just it's not a thing anymore so I thought so because I'm like I know that the one in Barry changed names Mm -hmm. and was kind of still the similar thing but I know that there was some like around like Toronto and Hamilton and other places but I don't see anything about it so yeah that doesn't surprise me that's the unfortunate part because of COVID I don't think that it could handle that it was an in-person mm-hmm. thing how was online classes was that it was definitely like <laughs> we did what we the best we could with what we had because I was just like an assistant so I just kind of like stood there <laughs> whatever were you still assisting screen. at that point Shit. I was still assisting at that time but like the teachers so like Nicole and Morgan and them they took it and did so well with it like they were really like interactive with it and it was definitely hard you could really tell that with the women it was like it was harder because you weren't getting that that connection that everyone wanted like the in-person connection like kind of like what you were saying like the the community of like the uplifting you know like you're hot you're hot kind of thing like <laughs> we weren't getting that on like zoom and stuff like that and also like people were doing it in their homes and like for me I had to do it in my bedroom like I had no room oh, to shit. do it anywhere yeah so it just like it definitely wasn't a long-term thing it was it was good to do it in place of in person while like things were getting figured out with COVID 
but it was good that once restrictions were lifted, we were able to do a couple of rehearsals in studio with people like distancing and wearing masks and stuff like that. And then we were able to do a show um, at Mavericks in July of 2020, but, or was it 2021? No, it was 2020. I'm getting my years mixed up. The last two years have just been a blur. (laughs) (laughs) They're all the same. It's meshed together at this point. We were able to do a show, but there was just no audience. We just, the, all the dancers were at Mavericks and Wendy filmed it. And then okay. we released like a, a paid, like you'd have to pay to get the video kind of thing. So that was like in place of buying tickets, I guess right. you could say. So that was like a way for, you know, Wendy to bring in revenue for herself. But yeah, it, w- it was a weird change, but you know, we did what we had to. And it, it was, it was still good being able to have something going on in your life during that time. yeah I bet so are you still dancing or have you stopped since you moved yeah so I have not been dancing since I've moved because there's there's literally nowhere here in Thunder Bay like they have adult ballet and tap and I'm like I'm not fucking doing that like sorry (laughs) oh my god I, I I do like tap I've done it before I just I I just don't want to like buy tap shoes or anything like that. And then ballet, I absolutely hate ballet. I liked it when I was younger, but I fucking hate it now that I'm older. <laughs> Going from like twerking and booty shaking That's to true. like doing like doing like second position and releve and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not I'm not going back to that. So no, I haven't danced since I moved. Before I moved here, I did attend two drop-ins with Kristen and Nicole's company, The Heels Collective. That was really fun. So I am going back home at the end of August just for like a week to see like family and friends. And I'm hoping during that time I can go to a drop in, whether it's at the Heels Collective or if it's at um, Studio House, I I would like to go to a drop in somewhere because I really do miss dancing. Like I've literally like said to my coworkers, I'm like, I'm just going to like dance in my apartment. I hope the people (laughs) below me don't mind the clicking of my heels. So (laughs) I know I was practicing at my condo before the show and I'm like fucking people below me hate me because it was that like tap 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 like even Stephen was like what the fuck (laughs) I always forget I I always forget that both of our boyfriends are Stevens I know (laughs) when you just said Stephen I was like what (laughs) you're like um excuse me don't talk about me so funny so we'll get into you being a vet tech so when did you decide that that was what you wanted to do have you always like loved animals or had an interest in animals yeah I I've always known that I've wanted to work with animals and like in a medical field of some sort I I just have like such a passion for biology I wanted to be a vet but when I was in high school, I realized I sucked at math and I did not want to take like physics and stuff like that. I'm just, it's not, my brain just cannot comprehend that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I was just like, Steven's in engineering right now. And he, some of the stuff he does, I'm like, that looks like a different language. I have no idea what you're doing right now. But yeah, I've always known that I wanted to work with animals. So when I realized that vet was out of the question for me, because I just thought it'd be a little too hard, I found that vet tech was an option. I didn't even really know about it. I knew that there was like assistance and stuff like that in the veterinary field, but I didn't actually know there was different 
parts. So I didn't know actually what a veterinary technician was. And so basically what a veterinary technician is, is a nurse to animals. That's basically what we are. So I was like, sweet. And it was only two years of schooling. So I was like, perfect. (laughs) And I was able to attend Jordan College in Aurelia. So I was able to just live at home and commute and save lots of money on like res and stuff like that. So yeah, I just, I always knew I wanted to work with animals and this was like the best option for me because I didn't want to be a vet. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's fair. So give us a little bit of a explanation of the difference between a vet tech and a vet assistant. Yes. So a vet tech, so we have two years of schooling and basically we do everything that's like, okay. So we basically do everything. The vet does a lot too, but the four main things that a vet will do is diagnosing, prognosis, surgery, and a prescribing. I'm not legally allowed to do either of those four things as a veterinary technician. So things that I do as a veterinary technician is like venue puncture. So I draw blood, I will place IV catheters, get animals set up on IV fluids, administer drugs that is prescribed by a veterinarian. (laughs) I will do anesthesia. So I will induce anesthesia. I will monitor anesthesia. I will do dentals. So I will clean animals teeth and, um, assess their mouths and everything like that. And then if there's teeth that need to be extracted, that's when the vet would come in and extract the teeth because I'm not legally allowed to do extractions. Vet techs used to be allowed to do them. We're not anymore. I don't know when that became a thing, but they, I guess just because it became a liability thing because we don't have as much education that they stopped letting vet techs do it. Same with cat neuters. Vet techs were allowed to do cat neuters before. We're not allowed anymore because it is considered surgery, which kind of sucks. I would have liked to have done that, but (laughs) what else do I do? I do a lot. (laughs) We do lab work. So I will look at things under the microscope, such as like ear slides, blood slides, fecals. I know it sounds really gross, but I'll look at like fecal samples. I'll look at, I'll do a urinalysis. I'll look at urine samples and I'll relay all the information I found to the vet. And then they will just pick a, the best plan of treatment for the animal. So basically we do like everything. (laughs) And then a vet assistant, they are also extremely helpful in the veterinary world. So a lot of people, there is a veterinary assistant program. It is only one year rather than two years compared to the vet tech. But a lot of people that are veterinary assistants, they're just kind of trained on the job because you don't need to be registered or anything like that. For a veterinary technician, I am registered. So I'm technically a registered veterinary technician. So I have like a governing body but vet assistants don't have that. So they really don't need to go to school if they don't want to, but it is like an option if they wanted to go to school for a year or whatever, post-secondary and vet assistants are very helpful. So they will help with like restraining animals. They will help with lots of cleaning. Unfortunately, (laughs) they'll help with prepping the animals with surgery. So shaving them, getting their surgical area nice and clean and as sterile as possible. They'll help with surgical pack. They're basically like, are helping hands and they're like super helpful. And it also depends on where you work in the field, what the vets or the clinic owner or whatever is comfortable to allow the vet assistant to do. Cause I've worked in a clinic where vet assistants were allowed to draw blood or place catheters so they could help alleviate some of the like work off of us because vet techs are doing everything else that it's nice to have those helping hands. But then I've also worked in another clinic where vet assistants were basically only allowed to clean and restrain animals. So it really just depends, but they can be such a useful like 
part of your team. So they're great. I, I love, I love my vet assistants. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been doing this? So you did your two years in school in Aurelia. When did you graduate and how long have you been in the field now? Yeah. So I went to school in 2015 and then I graduated in 2017. So I, my story is a little confusing. So I have been a registered veterinary technician. I have been an RBT since 2017. So five, it will be five years coming up this October. Yeah. (laughs) Because I passed my national exam in August of 2017. And then I got my status in October of 2017. So yeah, it'll be almost five years, which is really exciting. (laughs) But I have not worked in the field for the full five years. So I worked right out of school. The clinic that I did my school placement at, they actually hired me right as I graduated, which was fantastic. So I got into the working world right away. I worked there for two years. I learned lots there. It was great. But unfortunately, the clinic I was at, it was just a a very high stress place to work and they were always understaffed. So unfortunately it led me to burn out really quick. So I left the industry for a little bit and then I just worked at Starbucks part-time and I was actually planning to change careers completely. I was actually going to go back to school for environmental technology engineering. And then I got into my car accident. I think, did I ever tell you about that? I think that all of this like change of career happened right as you were starting AOS, because I remember you and I talking about how miserable we both fucking were (laughs) Yes, because you were working, you were working at Starbucks, I think at the time I was working at the clinic when we first started at AOS. And then I left that clinic in June. So I think the right before our show, yeah, right before our show is when I quit like my final day with that place. But then I started at Starbucks, like right away, part-time. And it was just supposed to be a part-time job while I was in school. But then my car accident happened. And unfortunately, because of the car accident, I got a pretty bad concussion from it. And I unfortunately had to drop out of the school program I was in. Yeah, it was really disheartening because I was really excited to like change careers because I really thought like I was like just done with the vet industry because the clinic I was at just like really like kind of drained the passion out of me for it. Unfortunately, and as sad as that sounds, but that's the reality of a lot of vet techs in like in the world, because the average burnout rate for vet techs is five years. Like it's not very long. It's, It's just because it's like, it's a really high stress, high, like fast paced job, physically, mentally demanding. And we're, we're, really underpaid unfortunately like the first clinic I worked at I was making the same as I was as a supervisor at Starbucks like really yeah yeah so a little a little disheartening but when you're fresh out of school you're like oh my god this is great and then you learn you're like wow I was actually like really underpaid (laughs) but you know you live and you learn but yeah so I was gonna go back to school dropped out of school because I couldn't focus because of my concussion. And I was like, I can't do this. So then I ended up working at Starbucks full time, became a supervisor. And then during COVID, I still worked at Starbucks, but I went down to a barista. So I worked part time and then I worked at an eMERGE hospital for from August of 2020 to November of 2020. I was like, okay, let's give this another shot. Like Like animal, animal emergency. Yes. Okay. So I worked in an animal emergency hospital in Barrie because I wanted to give the industry another shot because I was like two years really isn't long enough to decide like this isn't what I want to do anymore. 
So I went and worked at the Emerge Hospital. <laughs> My first day I had to do CPR on a dog and I was like, and I was like out of the like field for like almost over a year at that point. And I was like, I don't, I was like, <laughs> I like think I remember what I'm doing, but it was so stressful. And then they were like, yeah, like, we're not surprised if you want to quit. I'm like, what? no, like this was really good. Like I learned a lot from the Emerge Hospital. It was actually fantastic. The things I learned, I've, I never had to do CPR that much before. So that was really good to learn about that. Um, and I loved the vets I worked with because a lot of them were new grads. So they were very like passionate still about it. But the thing that drove me to want to leave Emerge was the hours. The hours were really shit. And I did overnights. And with oh, my wow. concussion, unfortunately, like the overnights just were not working for me they were just like really fucking with my sleep schedule and I just couldn't do it anymore so I did have to leave the Emerge Hostel but it was a great place to work so then I went back to Starbucks (laughs) I was still there part-time as I know I was like hi so much but I was still there as a barista but then when I quit the Emerge Hostel I was like hi like can I come back full-time as a supervisor and they're like okay (laughs) I'm like I'm sorry I'm so annoying but I just like I need money (laughs) like yeah of course and then and then I found out Steve and I were moving here because he's coming to school here for Lakehead for the engineering program. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to transfer to the Starbucks here because that's just the easiest thing to do. But then one of the vet techs I used to work with, she sent me a job posting for the Thunder Bay and District Humane Society here. Wow. And I was like, I didn't even consider working in a shelter as a vet tech. I like didn't even think that was an option because in school, they're kind of just like private practice or research are really your only options. And I didn't want to do research and private practice. I already did. And I didn't like it. Right. So I was like, okay. And the job posting was like almost too good to be true. It was like the hours are Monday to Friday. I wow. or sorry, Monday to Thursday, like don't have to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's like unheard of in the vet world. Yeah. I worked four days a week. They are 10 and a half hour shifts, but I would rather work more hours within four days and have three days off than like a five day work week. I literally Um, say this all the time. I'm like 12 hour days, Monday to Thursday and have my whole fucking weekend off. I'm like, I need one day off during the week so that God forbid, if I need to go to any appointments during the day or the bank, I can do it. Or, you know, I can also do stuff on the weekend. All right. So we've talked about how, you know, you have tried Emerge, you tried the private sector. Now you're, and I didn't even know this, that you're working for the Humane Society. Other than doing all of those positions, did you find that it was hard getting a permanent position being a vet tech out of school? Or I know you said that you had a job right away. Like other than having that has been difficult because of like the pay scale or the job availability at all? Well, the the pay scale is definitely like deterring for wanting to take a lot of jobs in the field, unfortunately, because like I said, like vet techs are very underpaid. Honestly, everyone that works in the vet industry is really underpaid. Even vets are really underpaid. Unless you own your own practice, you're really not making as much as you think, which is really sad because they do like seven to eight years of school. So they really do deserve more, but there is a lot of jobs available in the vet industry for vet techs, for vet assistants, even receptionists, vets. There's a huge shortage in the industry right now because of COVID. Ever since the pandemic, I guess during that time, everyone thought it would be a great idea to get animals. And because of that, um, clinics are like at capacity, like they can't 
take other clients, new clients or whatever. And the staff are just really burnt out because it's just been a lot. And unfortunately, people in the vet industry get a lot of verbal abuse from clients. And that's just the sad reality of it. Here in Thunder Bay, there's like a vet crisis. And it's not just here in Thunder Bay, it's everywhere, like in the States and Canada. But here in Thunder Bay, like no clinics, we have five clinics here, and then the Humane Society, but we're not a clinic, like we can't we don't have a license to operate to the public. We only do like public spay and neuter surgeries, okay. um, but we couldn't, we couldn't like see someone's dog for an ear infection. Like we don't have that license to do that, unfortunately. So the clinics that are here, even though there's five, which that sounds like a lot for Thunder Bay is not a small town. There's like a hundred thousand people here, but right. it, it's not that big. <laughs> You think that'd be a lot, but the clinics here are not taking new clients at all. You have to go on a waiting list and it's like a year waiting list to go. Yeah. So people are seeing a vet in Duluth, which is four hours from here, or people are going to see a vet across the border in Minnesota. Is that what we're close to? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I think it's Minnesota. I'm really bad at geography. Okay, but, so um, we're the same person. I failed geography in high school. I'm outing myself. It's the only course in high school that I failed, but I blame it 100% on the teacher. But also, math was not, I didn't fail, but math was not my strong suit. So, same girl, I don't know where, what state is close to Thunder Bay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm okay with Canadian geography, but anything else, I'm like, no. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a huge vet crisis here. And we, even as a humane society, get a lot of complaints, like saying like, why can't you just like see my dog for vaccines? And it's like, well, like we don't have the license to do that, unfortunately. But yes, there is a lot of job opportunities in the vet world right now because of the shortage. Okay. But it's, it's just kind of like a hard time to be in the industry just because of everything that's going on. Right. So explain to me what the Humane Society does, because I, I honestly don't really know. Yeah. So we, there's technically like two aspects to the Humane Society. So there's the shelter side and then there's the clinic side. So I work on the clinic side as one of the RVTs. And then there's the shelter side. So we, as the clinic side, we do public stay and neuter surgeries at low cost. So it's much cheaper than if you went to a, a private practice, just so it makes it more accessible to people that are like low income or anything like that. So we do that Monday to Wednesday and we do about public wise. I want to say we do anywhere from like 16 to 20 surgeries a day. That's, that's just public surgeries alone. That's not even including the surgeries that we need to do for shelter animals. So it's a lot, it's pretty fast paced, but we got a good flow going and the vet is like a really confident surgeon. So she's fantastic. And yeah, the team I work with where we just have a really good flow. It's, it's really nice. Don't feel like, I feel like I've never worked somewhere like that before. So it's really nice. <laughs> and then we also will see the shelter animals. So Whenever we have an animal that is in our care, so whether it's an animal that was a stray and their stray hold was up and now it's we technically own it, or if the animal was surrendered to us, we can do whatever care that animal requires to it. So whether it needs to be spayed or neutered, if it needs a dental cleaning, if it needs, honestly, if it needs anything, like any medical attention it needs, we can give it. And then more of the shelter side, we have like animal care attendants. So basically what they do is they take care of the animals. So they'll feed them, 
they'll like clean their litter boxes, they'll take the dogs out for walks, let them play in the yard, they do lots of enrichment activities with the cats, because obviously, you know, living in a kennel is not like the best, but they, at the Humane Society, we do a lot of like involvement with the animals and trying to keep their brains stimulated so they don't go, they don't get depressed and stuff like that. So I have to ask, does it look as sad and depressing in in the shelter side as it does as on commercials yeah because like I literally like feel so depressed every single time I'll like turn off the tv because I'm like I can't watch this like I want to cry right now so does it look that bad because I mean of course it's sad that there's animals there that need homes yeah. and you know potentially have to be euthanized if they don't get home but if you're saying that they get activity and stuff, like it kind of sounds like, you know, at least they're having a little bit of interaction. Yeah, no, it is not like that at all. Before I worked at a shelter that like, I couldn't even like go into a shelter because I would get so emotional. Um, But now that I actually work at one, I see how shelters are, well, at least our shelter, how it operates. And it is not like that at all. Like you can see in their kennels and stuff, all the things they have, like the scratching posts and the beds and they, they have the like proper setup that they need. And the dogs, they, we have like big yards for them to run around in. And, and yeah, we just have the staff that can like give them the attention they need. We are also a no kill shelter. So what that means, yeah. So what that means is if an animal is in our care for too long, we won't euthanize them if they can't get a home. Like we will just keep giving them care until they are adopted. And we have, we actually have someone on our staff who specifically does our social media Mm -hmm. and she's really good about if there's an animal that's been with us for too long, she'll really like push them on our social media and then they get adopted pretty quickly after that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we have a really good dynamic going. Our turnover with the animals is really good at the shelter. So that basically means that they come in, we treat them, we do whatever we need to do. And then they get adopted out really quickly, which is nice because there's some shelters that Uh, especially if there's a shelter that a vet is not on the premise because we do actually have a clinic team on the premise things go a lot quicker but there is some shelters that don't have that option we're able to just get them out a lot quicker and so they're not in the shelter environment for too long because for some animals that can be very stressful but there there's actually some animals that like really like the shelter I'm like I feel like you don't ever want to leave like we have this one cat in shelter right now named checkers and he's just like the happiest boy every morning when I walk into the shelter he's just like making biscuits really aggressively on his bed staring at me he likes when the dogs come in like I'm like I don't think you want to leave I think you like it here but yeah it's not it's not like those commercials it's a way happier place okay Um, yes so you can don't think of those things. Those commercials really just do it to get to you to donate money, but it's not like that at all. Maybe okay, in the so States, but here it's not. If I'm allowed to ask, where does the funding come from in order for you guys to treat these animals that are strays and don't have a home? Is it strictly based on donations? As far as I'm aware, yes. <laughs> yes. It's because we're a not-for-profit organization everything we do is by donation or like whatever money we bring in. So I, I could be wrong about this because I don't know a whole lot about the like money aspect of the shelter, but as far as I'm aware, the money that we bring in is the clinic. So like when people pay for their like low cost spay neuter and stuff like that, I feel like that money also contributes to helping with paying for the care for the animals. But 
it's basically all by donation since we're a not-for-profit. Like we don't get any like government subsidy or anything like that to like pay for any of that stuff. So yeah. Do people typically give donations when they adopt? Question. I, again, I'm not involved really on that that's, no, side, okay. but I honestly, we, we get a lot of donations. Like there is actually times where people will adopt an animal and they will actually pay for another animal's adoption fee. Oh, um, that's nice. So then like someone will want, like it will be easier for someone to want to take them. Like a lot of people, if they see that we've had an animal in shelter for a long period of time, they'll actually pay for their adoption fee to help get them out the door kind of thing. So honestly, people here are extremely generous. And I think it's also the Humane Society here. I don't know how long the Thunder Bay Humane Society has been around. It's been around for quite a long time, but I feel like it really started like getting really established in like 2018, 2019, I want to say like the social media got built up and everything. So there's just like a really good dynamic with what we have going on at the shelter with in regards to donations and then like animals coming in, us treating them really quickly and then them going out. So yeah, but lots of donations. Like I feel like every day we get some sort of donation, whether it's a cash donation or if it's someone, we have a donation bin outside, whether it's someone like dropping off like bedding or food or anything like that. So we like never, I don't think we like ever really have to worry about getting like food and stuff like that. Cause people are always donating it that's really like certain it is really nice there is certain food that the shelter animals are on so that food we do have to get but I'm pretty sure we get like a deal with pet value or something like that but yeah it's just like it's really it's really good (laughs) how they operate that's really good how do you deal with blood like are you good with blood like are you squeamish do you have to see it a lot oh yeah I'm I'm totally fine with blood I actually like (laughs) I see blood all the time every day with surgery and stuff like that. And I draw blood a lot for like sending it away to the lab or like whatever. One of my favorite things as a vet tech is actually drawing blood. I don't know why it sounds really gross. I know it sounds really gross, but like, it's so satisfying to me. I, I, I feel like human nurses are like phlebotomists or anything like that. They will understand what I'm saying, but when you see like a nice, like juicy vein, you're like, Oh, I just want to draw blood from that. And it's like, it's really nice. I know. I'm sorry if I'm dressing up, but it's just like really satisfying. It's almost like popping a pimple, like that kind okay. of satisfaction, yes. but different, obviously it's just, and it's cause it's also like learning it in school. I was like, Oh my God, this seems so hard. Like, how am I going to draw blood on a moving animal with fur? Like, how am I going to see that? But then like, once you learn it and you get it, you're like, God, this is so satisfying and addicting. <laughs> do you have to put the dog asleep to draw blood or do you draw blood when they're awake? We'll draw blood when they're awake. But if they're going under surgery, regardless, we'll yeah. just do it while they're under. So that's it's less stress for them. So how do you deal with like, you know, animals that are like aggressive, you know, they're not as willing to let you just examine them or get near them. Is that really hard? So funny that you asked that. So with cats, I'm, I'm totally fine with cats. Cats, I kind of find funny when they're like really aggressive. Cause I'm like, okay, you're just like being a bit of a bitch right now. And like, <laughs> I don't know, cats, I find really funny. We also have really good restraining tools to help us. So we have like a net that we can use for really aggressive cats, or we have something called a shield 
that we'll use. So it really helps us feel protected as the staff. So we're not like sticking our hands in there and then the cat's like mulling our hands. Um, right. We also have really good cat gloves. So they're basically like thick leather gloves. So if a cat like scratches you or bites you, like they can some, if they bite you really hard, they could probably still puncture you, but most of the time they can't get through the gloves. So I just feel really comfortable with the restraining methods we have with cats, with dogs, little dogs, I'm fine with because again they're kind of like cats to me I'm like whatever I'll just throw a blanket on you and you're fine kind of thing (laughs) and we try we always try our best to do less stress like the least amount of stress as possible on the animal even if they're aggressive so a lot of the times if um, an animal is like really aggressive or whatever especially with dogs we'll just sedate them at that point so then we're not and, and with cats so then we're not like doing too much to them that it increases their stress and then makes them relate the shelter environment to stress. So yeah, so we'll just sedate them at that point. So it's a quick, like quick little poke. They won't like it, but at that point they'll just fall asleep really quickly. And then we can examine them really fast, do whatever we need to with them. If they need to go under full anesthetic, we can do that because they're already sedated. But (laughs) back in January of this year, I had an incident. I had my first ever dog bite. It was terrifying. It was a like big... 70 pound like St. Bernard cross dog and we sedated him like more than we would normally like because we knew that he had some aggression issues so we're like hey we really need to sedate this dog so he doesn't like do anything and so me and the vet went in to go get him to get him ready for his surgery because he was like asleep like like knocked out in his kennel like full-on asleep her and I go into the kennel to get him and then she was standing behind him I was standing in front of him and I literally reached over his head to like help her place the muzzle on him and I've never seen this before in my whole career he was asleep and then the second I reached my hand over his head he woke up and he latched on and it was terrifying like in that Did you moment, have anything on like any gloves or anything like that or no because we just thought he was like full on asleep like we weren't we were gonna place the muzzle on him because it, it fell off so we were gonna fix it and but I shit happens unfortunately that's the risk we take working in the veterinary industry that's like our biggest workplace uh, hazard but yeah so he bit my arm he latched onto my hand here my like thumb was like fucked I couldn't use it for almost a month god yeah. And he also bit my leg. I have pretty nice scars now. I got some battle wounds, but I was rushed to hospital after that. Cause I was like, I'm like I said earlier, I'm okay with blood, but when it comes to like, I'm fine with my own blood too. But when it comes to like intense pain, yeah. I'm not okay with that. And so because of the, it was excruciating like pain I was feeling at that moment, especially in your hand. Cause you have so many nerves in your hand. Uh-huh. I couldn't imagine. I like went pale white and I almost like fainted. So they like called the ambulance and I was sent to hospital. And I also had to, I didn't need stitches, thankfully, because they say like bite wounds that aren't on the face, they won't stitch up. They'll just like bandage it and let it heal on its own. So thankfully my hand actually healed really well. Like I just have like little scars here, but you can't even like, I have like full function again, which is nice, but it was a really scary incident. So not going to lie ever since then, I do have a bit more anxiety when it comes to working with larger dogs just because of that but things are getting better just like the more I'm you know exposing myself to working with large dogs because I know that's that's the first incident I've ever have had working and I've been working in the industry for a little bit so I know it doesn't happen often but yeah not fun but we're very good at being cautious just that was a not normal situation because that dog literally woke up from full sedation which was 
that's never happened. So so weird. That dog was like hopped up on something, like just got so much adrenaline. He woke up and chose violence that day. (laughs) Oh my God. So are you more than of a cat person or a dog person just in general? I've always been a cat person. I grew up with cats my whole life. Like the minute I came out of my mom's womb, there was a cat at the house. (laughs) Like I've always had cats. I didn't get dogs until I was 10 years old. I do really like dogs, but I'm, I don't know. There's something about cats that I'm just more drawn to cats than I am dogs. I think maybe it's because like, they're a little bit less maintenance than dogs, but the cat I adopted from the shelter, he is, he is one of a kind. I have to walk him. I take my freaking cat for walk. Outside? Yes. yes. On leash? I take him. Yes. He's a dog. He's a, he's a dog in a cat's body. Clearly. Yeah. No, literally. Cause if we don't take him outside, he's going to shut the fuck up. And I'm like, ah, so we take him for walks. That's so funny. You must get all sorts of look. I could only imagine. We do, but we're not the only people around my apartment that walk their cat. There's another couple that walks their cat. So I don't feel as weird. (laughs) That's so funny. I love that. So let's ask you a little bit other questions in terms of like, how do you deal with difficult pet owners? So like you mentioned, some people, you know, complain because they're like, why can't you check out my pet? So how is that just in your current role, but also in previous roles? So in my current role, I actually don't really have to directly deal with it. It's more of the executive director of the shelter that (laughs) deals with those difficult clients. So haven't really had to deal with that situation, but in previous clinics I've worked at dealing with difficult clients, honestly, the thing that normally triggered clients to become like aggressive towards us would be the cost of things because the, you know, vets are expensive, but you know, like any type of healthcare is expensive. Like I just think here in Canada, people forget that we do get free healthcare. So when you see how much x-rays are going to cost for your dog, you're like, Oh my God, like $300. It's so expensive, but it would be more if we didn't like for human medicine, if we didn't have healthcare. So I just, I, I think people just also forget that, you know, animals cost more than just the like purchasing fee or adoption fee. And then the spay and neuter fee and vaccines, like sometimes there is emergencies that come up and you do have to be, you know, financially prepared for that. And you know what, there is some clinics that do offer payment plans, but unfortunately a lot of clinics do not offer that because the cost of that at that point is coming out of their pocket. And a lot of clinics can't afford to do that because it is expensive to run and operate a veterinary clinic. So yeah, the money is normally where people would get triggered. But as a vet tech, like I did do a lot of client communication. So I did deal with those situations. But honestly, I sympathize with the vets mainly in regards to that, because they are the ones that get the blunt of it all. Like when they're um, communicating to a client, something a diagnosis to their pet and it's not a good diagnosis and they don't want to hear it or the cost of things like how much this treatment's going to cost what else yeah honestly just like the vets really deal with everything or if like there's something a vet can't like help you with or they've tried to do like rule things out for you and then the owner's not happy with the outcome of it like like one thing for example is owners just literally expect a vet to look at an animal and be like okay this is what's wrong with it but no, people have to realize we have to, you have to get diagnostics, like blood work, x-rays, ultrasound, whatever you need to figure it out. 
the vet can't just look at your pet and know what's wrong with that. But that's what a lot of people expect. So yeah, honestly, the vets deal with majority of the crap and the receptionists because they are the first people you see. (laughs) So they're the ones that like get a lot of it too. But then at that point, they're just kind of like, I'll grab the vet. (laughs) That's brutal. Okay. So to kind of touch on the cost being an issue, would you recommend that people should insure their pets? Do you know anything about pet insurance? Like, is that something that can kind of help when it comes to these issues? Or is it just generally good to have? Honestly, like I would always recommend like pet insurance, especially if you get a dog breed that you know is predisposed to issues such as like a Great Dane, like they're predisposed to like hip dysplasia or like they're something called uh, GDV, which is gastric dilation volvulus, which means they're stomach bloats and it flips on itself, which is a, which is an emergency. So like, I I would always recommend pet insurance, but if you're like weary about it, like if you have a breed that's predisposed to issues, definitely get it. But if you don't, like maybe if you have like a mutt or whatever, like you, you can get it or not, but I do recommend it. But for some people, it's just not cost efficient. So I totally understand that. Like my mom had it for my one dog. And she didn't really get much out of it because we didn't really have to take her to the vet that often. And even when we did, the coverage wasn't that good. But I know just like, just like human insurance, there's like, like health benefits, there's different like types, there's like more or less, but again, you're paying more into it. So it's really like your call. It, It is always a good idea to have, but something I would recommend more for people in regards to cost is I can't say be financially prepared because that's not, that's way easier said than done, but like even every month or so, like just put a little bit of money aside for a vet emergency or something, just in case, like you never know what's going to happen. So you just want to be prepared for those financial costs because animals do cost money. Like I think so many people forget that. And it's really sad because we do get like surrenders at the shelter because people can't afford the animal. And it, it, it is really sad because there is people that are low income or they can't work because they have like disability or something like that. And, you know, having that animal as a companion is really helpful, but unfortunately, the unfortunate reality of having an animal is they do, they do cost money, just like children, they cost money. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. So I have three more questions for you. And then we're going to jump into a fun, would you rather game? What's the weirdest question you've been asked? Like ever just being about tech? Yeah. So like, so way back, I don't even know, like I've had a lot of weird questions. Like that is so hard because like, I'm blanking. Like I'm thinking of things, but I'm like, those aren't really questions. Like I've had someone ask me multiple times if their dog had ticks, but it was actually just their dog's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also had people ask me if boy dogs have nipples because they think only girl dogs have nipples. And I'm like, but human males have nipples. All humans have nipples. So all animals have nipples. It's the same. What else? Honestly, that is like a hard one. I would have had to like, have like really thought and prepared for that question because I cannot think, but I've had a lot of weird shit asked me. It's just really hard to think of it. That's okay. That's okay. So I'll ask you then my next two questions, which what are the most common dog names? And common cat names that you see coming in and out of the clinics that you've worked at. Oh my God, your eye roll. Oh God. 
<laughs> oh God. I literally talked to the vet about this last week. Like these common names that I'm so sick and tired of hearing. Bella, um, Bella is one that's a, the, honestly common for both dogs yeah. and cats. Luna. I'm so sick and tired of hearing the name Luna. Again, both dogs and cats. Buddy is a really common one for uh, dogs. Another really common one for dogs. I haven't really heard Skip. I've heard Tucker a lot. I don't mind Tucker. I like the name Tucker, but I have heard it a lot. Those are like the main ones that come to my head. And then for cats, oh, what was the one I was going to say? It like just popped into my brain and then left. I've actually been seeing a lot of cats named Salem lately. Is that the cat from Sabrina? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I literally am like, where is this coming from? And what's another one? Binks. That's the one from Hocus Pocus. I've been seeing a lot of animals with the name Binks, like cats. Oh, weird. That was the black cat from Hocus Pocus. Oh, shit. Sure. Um, I'm for that. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, a lot of people just call their cats kitty. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, like a lot of them are just kitty. <laughs> That's like naming and your dog, dog. No, I don't like it. And then there's like mittens and stuff. Mittens. I'm trying to think of another. Yeah, no, those are like really the main ones that come to my brain. Steven wants to know if we can do an, a can you ask the audience? You have to come over here. You can't yell. <laughs> so I'm just curious. What name do people come in and go, isn't it such a unique name? But it's really not. Oh God, really making me think right now. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh my gosh, this is my baby. What's your baby's name? Oh, it's John. Isn't it unique? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel like people think the name Atticus is really unique and they're like really proud of that name. But I'm like, I've heard it like a thousand times. So it's like not that unique. <laughs> is, that, is that for a cat? Atticus? normally for a dog oh really that's interesting yeah. oh we actually had a cat today named fosa and i was like huh it was spelled f-o-s-a i think or something like that but i was like okay like i like when people come up with original names but sometimes i'm like what the fuck is this like <laughs> but like but fosa was kind of cute but i was like okay i feel like you were just making up words at this point but it's a cute name <laughs> that's so funny okay now let's play our fun would you rather I attempted right. to do a would you rather specifically catered to being in in the animal vet tech veterinary industry so okay I'm excited I'm excited all right so would you rather draw blood or put in a catheter draw blood would you rather deal with anal glands or toenail shrimp anal gland <laughs> really <laughs> Yes, I, I honestly, I hate, I fucking hate doing nail trims. Cats, I don't mind, but I hate doing dog nail trims, especially when they're black nails, just because, you know, you can't see the quick and it's like much easier to quick them. Anal glands are just quick and easy. And again, really gross, but kind of satisfying because it's like popping a pimple, I guess you could say, but you very squeeze sticky, them, right? Very you have to like squeeze them or something. Yeah, basically you have like one finger in the butthole and then the your thumb on the outside and you just kind of like you kind of like milk it until the like stuff comes out it's really it sounds really gross and it, it, honestly it is and it smells so bad but 
there's something about it that's kind of satisfying. <laughs> you are wild lady. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to ask this because I put it in my would you rather, but I already, I think, know the answer. Aggressive cat or aggressive dog. Clearly you already said cat. <laughs> aggressive cats. <laughs> <laughs> so small animals or large animals? Oh, I, I'm definitely hate to admit it, but I am a small animal lover. I do love small animals. They're just much easier to hold and they're easier on my back. Large animals are too heavy. They're too heavy. It's so true. (laughs) A room tech or surgery tech. Surgery tech. (laughs) Diarrhea or vomit. Oh oh God. Probably vomit. (laughs) Working with pipples or shepherds. 100% pipples. Pipples over shepherds. Why is that? They're just easier to deal with. Yeah. Like, honestly, like I know there's this huge, like image of pit bulls on like in the world that they're like super aggressive, blah, blah, blah. But excuse me, every pit bull I have met has been so nice. Sometimes they're a little nervous. You do have to go slow with them, but like every pit bull I've met has been super nice, like super easy to handle. They, they just like, like look like little seals. Like I love pit bulls and then shepherds, shepherds are great too. But in a clinic setting, shepherds are always very high anxiety and they're kind of unpredictable. So I would feel more anxious working with a shepherd rather than a pit bull just because they are kind of sketchy in in clinic. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Okay. Well, before I close out my episode, I just want to open it up to you. Is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to talk about or any questions I didn't ask you? I think you asked really good questions. Just the one thing I like want to say is just like, be nice to your veterinary staff. Like if you have a veterinarian or whatever, just be kind to the staff because they are really struggling in the industry right now. And there is a shortage. And unfortunately, like the suicide rates really high with vets. So all you can do as the public is just to help with that and, you know, help bring the industry back up is just, you know, be kind. That's all. That's all you need. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind. Is there any volunteer opportunities if somebody wants to like go and volunteer at the shelter? I know that with COVID that kind of put a little bit of a pause, but if anybody mm-hmm. is, wants to, is that still an option? Yeah. So COVID did put a pause on that, but our volunteer program actually just opened back up. So we're open back up to the public for volunteers. So if anyone lives in Thunder Bay, you can come volunteer <laughs> at the shelter, but even wherever you live, I guarantee your local shelter is taking volunteers at this point. So you can definitely help out in that, in those cases. So, yeah. and then just uh, before we close out is what's the best way if somebody wants to donate to a shelter, can they do it online or go in person just so we can push some donations for those, uh, you know, animals? I, I think you can do it online with most places, but honestly, I feel like the best way to do it would just be to go in person. Um, whether you have a cash donation or if it's like towels, bedding, food, toys, anything that you don't need or don't want, you can donate. I used to, when I was a kid, I actually had a garage sale once and the money I raised from it, I bought food and I donated to my local shelter. I think I was 10 when I did that. So like, I think just going in person is the best way to do it. And then you can also see the animals when you're there and maybe, maybe you'll bring one home and adopt. You never know. (laughs) 
Well, I love that. Well, I wanted to say thank you so much, Kim, for coming on today, sharing all your insight and all of the weird things that you enjoy doing. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah. Sorry if I grossed anyone out. <laughs> That's okay. I'll just put like a sensory ad at the beginning, just a warning, like trigger warning. Like if you don't like yeah. glands or anything weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kim. And that concludes today's episode. Bye, Vibers. I want to leave you with this last note. Sometimes you have to stop being scared and go for it. Either it will work or it won't. That's life. Beautiful.